Alive and Kicking is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code AK90s and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. Welcome to the first ever episode of Live and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. My name's Ash Rose and I've been put in charge of this walk down memory lane into a decade that we like to think changed football forever. Basically what we did over the summer, we had a chat with the guys at West 12 Media who do the excellent QPR podcast. And if you are a QPR fan, make sure you give that a listen. And we thought that um, the 90s have suddenly become retro, which is probably a scary thought for some of you. But 90s is all retro now, so we thought it needed a retro celebration. So throughout the season, we'll be here Monday nights looking back at some of the most memorable and unmemorable moments of football in the 90s. So whether it's FA Cup finals or classic kits, Mavericks or video games, hopefully at some point we'll cover your favourite memory. And of course, we want you guys to get involved. So please do follow us on Twitter at AK90s or on Facebook forward slash AK90s, where you will be always welcome to any comments, anything you'd like us to talk about or, or not even talk about it. Absolutely. Just follow us on Twitter or Facebook. The addresses will be at the end as well. But tonight we're talking opening days. Since the Premier League began last weekend, we're looking at the opening days of the 90s and some of the big games and big memories of what happened during that time. And with me, I've got two people who have 90s football at their hearts, I'd say. Very much so. Yeah, very Indeed. much so. That's what yeah. I like to hear. Indeed. Yes, definitely. So tonight's guest, firstly, from ITN, Joel Young, who spent most of the 90s with a samba fever going it, wrong in his club football it, it, as it a did. Middlesbrough fan. Indeed, several samba players, including, you know, the, the samba players that he originally bought, brothers and cousins and things like that. But there was, there was Blanco a, for even at some, one and a half games, <laughs> yeah. was it? Yeah. He played more than that. <laughs> Joined in Joel, though, we'll talk more Middlesbrough and especially Sambas in just a moment, is what I like to call a 90s football encyclopedia. He knows everyone from Andres Salenzi and he could probably pick up Buncho Gunchev in a lineup. Am I correct? Indeed. I'm a little bit disappointed that Anders Limpar isn't here, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, we try- maybe somewhere down the line, Anders will make an yeah. appearance. But Chelsea fan and all round 90s guru, Mr. Patrick O'Sullivan. Hello. Hello. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. So we'll be talking about your 90s uh, stuff in a minute and in the opening days as well. We've also got a special guest on the phone, the scorer of the first ever Premier League goal, Brian Dean. So we thought it was very apt seeing this is the first ever pod. So what I would like to start with, though, is something I'm going to call going forward is the 90s CV. 90s football CV, I'm going to go with both of you. And it's basically three questions. Um, so we get to know a little bit about the guests before we go into to what we're talking about tonight. Um, so firstly to Joel, we're gonna, the first question is, sum up the 90s in a sentence for Middlesbrough. Well, you know, I could speak for hours and hours about the <laughs> 90s in Middlesbrough. Um, but let's just say the most important decade the club ever had without hyperbole. There you go. The 80s were in, important in a different way in that the club nearly went out of existence. But the 90s was probably the transformation of the club becoming a sort of yo-yo mid-table, you know, then second division club into becoming at least an established premiership club for a little while. <laughs> for the, well, for the 90s at least, well, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two whole seasons. <laughs> Two seasons in a row, hold on, yeah. We were, we were there in the first season, so yep. we were founder members of the Premier League. But then um, certainly between... Brian Robson's arrival at the club in 1994, I think it was, off the top of my head, yeah. 1994, absolutely 
transformed the club, the move to the stadium. And, you know, when you go from failing in a bid to buy, um, you know, certain players that went up to Newcastle, not mentioning any names, Robert Lee, uh, (laughs) failed bids for Robert Lee into you're attracting European Cup winners and, as you said, Samba superstars and everything else. Have you noticed how long this sentence has become? It is quite long, actually, I have to say. There you go. Well, you could say similar. That's true. I could. could. (laughs) Well, you wait your turn. So that summed it up, but... Best club player, and if you don't say Janino, I'm going to turn off your mic. It absolutely has to be Janino. Um, I still sign my name, Jolino, in, <laughs> in honour of him. Yeah, so that's right. People, that, that doesn't say Joel Young. No, it says Jolino, but I've now signed all my important but if they documents. Why, like that, then, well, then I explain exactly, it. Exactly, and, and they have to know why. Yeah, exactly. So. I just think it's that thing again, you know, at the time he played in the, um, is it Latounois or the no, Umbro Cup, Umbro Cup, no, Umbro in, Cup the, in that yeah. summer, scored against, played on my birthday actually, oh, there you go. scored against England at Wembley with a cracking free kick, Brian Robson is assistant manager of England at that time. And, um, you know, all of a sudden you've got... That's an easy scouting game. I was going yeah. yeah. to say, yeah, that, that's a pretty easy championship manager kind goal, of... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's essentially what Brian Robson yeah. did. Yeah, well, I, I, sort of, I sort of noticed that Middlesbrough team around sort of 94 when he took over, he kind of he kind of took all the best substitutes from all the Premier League teams and brought them to Division 1 or, or Are Division you questioning two. Brian Robson's well, managerial it, it, CV? It, it did seem to be in a, a sort of game of Championship Manager 94 sort of-esque, which got Middlesbrough right. Jan, Agaf- Jan Agafjord oh, always scored exactly. a lot of goals and, and, you know, we got him on transfer deadline there. There you go. Um, but back to Janino. Yeah, Janino. <laughs> um, so essentially, the most sought-after player in the world at that time, there was rumours he was going to go to Arsenal. Um, Brian Robson and Steve Gibson went out to Brazil, met him, somehow persuaded him, persuaded him. And I don't actually think it was that much of a leap, really, to go from the slums of Sao Paulo to Middlesbrough. Did they, did uh, they tell him that Middlesbrough was in London? <laughs> I don't think they did, oh, no. Right. I think there's, it, there's, a, there's a big thing, a big badge on everybody from Middlesbrough's arm that, no, we're not London. Right, okay. um, but yeah, and then all of a sudden you've got this five foot five absolute dynamite dribbler can just confuse... The greatest defenders, um, you know, just played his heart out for us with that. He much loved skill. the club, didn't he? That's what's fell in love refreshing with the club. about yeah, someone fell in love like with the club. And, and, you know, you heard stories all the time about Janino was going out. Kids were knocking on his door and saying, Do you want to come out mm. and play football? And he'd go out and play around the streets of Ingleby Bar with. with all these kids so because he was the same height or yeah, I think he, or, much, well, it was he's not far one, taller than me yeah, yeah, sorry. It, was, it was the one time he could play centre back yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah he confirmed that I read an interview yeah. with him uh, I think it's actually in this one of this month's football magazine he actually confirmed that because it's on Wikipedia yeah. you don't mm. know if it's ever true on Wikipedia but he actually confirmed that he used to actually yeah. play football with the kids in the street how, how amazing that would have been a great game of three and in wouldn't it yeah <laughs> I wouldn't fancy your chances yeah. against Nino. <laughs> do you think he could do it on a cobbled street I bet he can oh of course he could not I'm saying all streets in Middlesbrough Cobbled. <laughs> not where Janino, not where Janino lived, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but, you know, heart, talent, desire, love for the club. It's just an unbelievable player who everybody is still in love with. There's, there's a kind of minor backlash going on against him now because people go, oh, why do we still care about him? Why do we still care about him? 20 years ago, 20 years ago. But I still think he's a vitally important player in that thing. And I can't see us any, ever getting anybody, certainly within the next five or 10 years, of his ilk again they will go not to Massimo Macaroni uh, uh, hey I tell you he got us to a European Cup final <laughs> yeah. so Sorry, you know yeah, that was non-90s I apologise <laughs> who's Massimo Macaroni I've exactly yeah who's in a decade yeah, we don't yeah, talk yeah, about no, on yeah, it yeah, yeah, that's well that was Janino then and best 90s player overall then well I was going to say Janino again Which you but... fair, I mean there are very few players that I'd allow that for but Janino is one of them uh, but... I'm going to say the um, 
I just think the quintessential player that sort of changed the whole nineties, I think, and that would be Mr. Cantona. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, cr- that was almost a Gary now. Neville yes. cry. Oh. That was. Yeah. What a man. Oh, just. What a I man. think. Just. I think. I don't think it's unfair to say that he transformed football in this country, especially yeah. when. I mean, it's funny. I was watching the Sky coverage of the game the other day, and it, and and it. Um, oh, sorry, much of the day get it right and they did on this on on this day in 1992 and it mm. was Cantona scoring a hat trick for Leeds and in the, the charity, charity shield, charity shield. Yeah, not community charity shield, shield not charity we shield. don't know what, what's a community shield I don't shield. know I don't know what they'll change it <laughs> to next anyway no. um, and, I, and I, thought, I think once he went to Manchester United he was the catalyst that made that team tick Absolutely iconic for that. Yeah. I mean, what I what I do remember is the, the day after we lost the FA Cup final to I can't remember who that was. Some mob, yeah. Some, some mob. Uh, we won't talk. We have to talk about it in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Cannon yeah. retired the day after that. So if you think is, and that was 1997. He even stole our thunder of winning the <laughs> FA Cup for the first time. That's how cool he was. We'd won the FA Cup for the first time in 25 plus years, and Eric decided to retire, and that was it. Yeah. And and then everything was Cannon. I think. And if you think everything that went on in those of yeah. what five six years that he was in the English league, yeah. absolutely incredible. Down mm. from the sublime skills and the chips um, over, um, I can't remember who the keeper was. It's Sunderland Perez. Yeah, um, Lionel um, Perez. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, a Perez. celebration. <laughs> it was a celebration that made that. I think. Yeah, yeah the, the arrogant yeah. Yeah. without Jeff, chest yeah. and the yeah. Look what at what me. I did. Yeah. yeah. What I love is as well. I don't know if anyone's seen the film Looking for Eric, which is a fabulous film. Which it doesn't look like it should be, but it is brilliant. And Cantona is very funny in it. But he mentions his best ever moment. And the main night it was a pass, not a goal. Oh. A pass he That's made. To, I think that was, was in the same game against the Den- of all people, Dennis Irwin, who couldn't be further from Eric Cantona. <laughs> it's funny you should say say that because Cantona and Irwin are kind of linked in a way because did they both um, play for Manchester United? They both play for Manchester United. <laughs> However, uh, do you know the story about when um, the Leeds? Clean? No, yeah, the Leeds chairman. I do oh, know this. Rang yes, up, yes. rang up uh, Martin Edwards at Manchester United and said, um, said, uh, can you sell us uh, Dennis Irwin? And uh, Fergie wrote on a pad, ask him about Cantona. So he asked him about Cantona and he said, oh, yeah, we'll sell you him. And that was it. Irwin never went anywhere. So imagine the Leeds chairman having to go <laughs> to work a, the next day and go... Um, into the in the yeah. move of Eric Cantona. So he, he, walked in, he walked in, sees Howard Wilkinson and Howard Wilkinson says, well, uh, did you... Uh, did you sign Dennis Irwin? He says, uh, well, no, and I lost Cantona. That was a bad day at the office, wasn't bad it? Bad day. It's not surprising how Wilson didn't do much after that, <laughs> no, is it? No, that's true. Except for being England manager. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> how long? One match? Yeah, one I think match, that was one yeah. match. At Wembley. Yeah. Anyway, well, we have to move yeah. on to Chelsea or we'll be talking about Borough all night. So We could do if you want. But we we yeah. could talk about Janino all night. Yeah, so sum true. up the 90s. If for, we t- being fair, if we do talk about Borough all night, we're going to only end up talking about Chelsea yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's true. These two, these, these two people we have in the studio, we didn't do this on purpose, but we found in the preamble that they are linked quite closely in the Indeed. 90s so we'll get we'll probably get to that at some point but firstly your football C- 90s football CV Paddy it would be sum up the 90s for Chelsea in a sentence in, in one <laughs> sentence after following Joel which is quite difficult I have to I have to say um, never a dull moment uh, we went from signing um, players of the calibre of Steen Furlong Minto Peacock John Spencer, all decent players within players their own... All players are to play for QPR, actually, Yeah, almost. true, true. All decent players within their own right. And suddenly we started signing Rude Hullet, Gianfranco Zola, Marcel Desailly. Um, I was going to say Gabriel Ambrosetti, but that's probably not, <laughs> probably not on the same sort of quality. But it wasn't what we were used to. And as I say, there was never a dull moment. You're turning up for a pre-season game away at Gillingham and seeing Rude Hullet turn up with those dreadlocks in that 
orange and grey kit. Um, <laughs> we'll be talking and, kits very soon. And um, and seeing him turn up in that, he must have looked around at Gillingham and thought, what have I done? That's no disrespect to the people no. of or Club of Gillingham. No, no. So... Um, so thank you. Uh, so so yes, thank you for that, and uh, apologies for the people of Gillingham. However, um, <laughs> being fair, Rude must have felt even worse when his first away game was coming to Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is true as well. Actually, yeah. Best club player then? I think this is probably uh, the easiest question for a Chelsea fan. Yeah, in the 90s. Um, similar uh, similar to Joel, along the same lines as Janino, um, Gianfranco Zola um, pretty much changed everything for us. Um, a player who we'd never seen skilled like that before he, he he turned up he was he was there six months was football writers you know player of the year uh, yeah, can we, uh, uh, yeah we'll, we'll ahead of Janino yeah. like, we'd like, I'd like to probably point out <laughs> although he signed, um, in, he signed in December yeah okay well it's yeah. still it still rankles I was going to say yes it's, it obviously well, it still was like in 1999 they may not have the treble but who yeah. was player of the year uh, David Ginola yeah exactly yeah. I think Fergie's um, still angry about that yeah. one and um, so Zola turned up um, danced around the Manchester United defence like they Three, weren't there yeah. slotted the ball into the corner before Peter Smichael had even had time to draw breath and um, he once put Julian Dix on the floor by twisting him inside, outside, <laughs> and then sort of inside, outside again, and then smashing it past Ludo McCloskey, which is a great name um, from the 1990s. And um, he was just, we'd never seen anything like that before. And it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And best 90s player overall? Uh, well, we've already had Mr. 1990s, as in Eric Cantona, but um, I was, as a child, I, I was in love with Paul Gascoigne. See, I'd argue that he. Was missed. He was yeah, missed. just I, because I of do. what happened. Through, I mean, Cantona, I agree, changed the face of the Premier yeah. League football. But from 1990, pretty much to 1999, yeah. you can't really look at a period where Gaza wasn't relevant. I think if you take it away from even football, Gascoigne was so important at getting yeah. it over again to a mass audience. If you look at, you know, it's been said a million times, but football in the 80s was a grim black yeah. place. Yeah. And Gaza helped sort of usher yeah. in that era yeah. if, through his personality. And I had else, the and shell suit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Gaza brought out a range. Of, this had, is so 90s, it's unbelievable. I Gaza trainers. They're, exactly. That's how great, I mean, we talk yeah. merchandise is mental these days, but yeah. the back autograph, in the, 90s, the autograph on those trainers yeah. wasn't printed. It was Paul's. It was his. Of course, autograph. it was. Of course, yes, it they was. didn't have sharpies um, in there. No, maybe. but he was. He was an amazing, amazing footballer. He could do things with the football that nobody else could do at that time, and he could also eat five miles bars yeah. while doing it. He was that good. Best player in the world, Italia ninety cut run for Spurs. Um, obviously, the sort of injury after that. Um, but Euro ninety six, he was still fantastic. Probably not even fully fit as well. No, and I was recently quoted as saying that if Gareth Bale was worth 85, then Gaza would be worth 100. Well, it's scary to think what, what Paul Gascoigne would be worth in today's uh, market. How do you think Gaza's career would have gone had he signed for Manchester United instead of Tottenham? It, it, that, that is a really interesting one because it's always been the theory that, oh, had Fergie got hold of Gaza, then oh, he would have sorted him out. But I'm not sure anybody could have sorted Gazza out, to be perfectly honest. He, he, he would have been the ultimate challenge, I think, even for Fergie. Yeah, he had that character. And if Gazza had signed for Manchester United, you don't know then what would have happened if, you know, he, he could have been as bonkers as he was everywhere else, that, if, if, you, if you know what I mean. And, and Fergie wouldn't have been able to maybe keep him under control, yeah. which means would Fergie wouldn't have been as yeah. successful. I think so. Gazza would have rebelled against Ferguson. Yeah, that's what I, I think yeah. it may have ended in tears. We may not have seen the moments we enjoyed 
later, later in yeah. the 90s. I mean, yes. he played for Rangers in what, no disrespect to the Scottish League, is a lesser league than the Premier mm. League and made it look easy. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a joy to watch because yeah. he was that good. I mean, how would Fergie put up with a player that saw a new, uh, you know, saw a, uh, a teammate turn up, park in the car park with a brand new, brand new sort of Range Rover and Gazza took... Gazza took like a gun to it and shot the back window in. I mean, how would Fergie deal with that? And burp into a report, he wouldn't yeah, like that either. No, anyway, exactly. we've got to move on. We'll, we'll be talk again. We can talk about Gazza all night. Um, we're going to speak to Brian Dean in just a second. But before we do, I need, I need to throw up a little disclaimer that we'll, throughout the season, I have to say, is that I think, as you already noticed, what we will do in this podcast is go off on tangents. I can't apologise for that because it's a long decade. Everyone has their own opinion on certain players. So. I was brought here to talk about opening days. And exactly. We haven't even started yet. that yet. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that will happen. And yeah. I'm sure at some point in the season, we'll repeat ourselves with different guests and different memories. But I'm sure they'll just have different opinions from them. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And before we do, as Paddy said, move on to talking about some memorable opening days of the 90s. We're going to speak to someone who, well, he owns a big record in the 90s. Something that, a record that can't actually be broken. He scored the first ever Premier League goal in a 2-1 win uh, for Sheffield United against Manchester United on the opening day of the 1992-93 season. It's Mr. Brian Dean. Brian Dean, welcome to Alive and Kicking. Uh, you're the first ever guest on our show, which is very apt because, of course, you've scored the first ever Premier League goal. Before we speak about that, um, we'll take you back to the, the early 90s and your time at Sheffield United. Just tell us what was it like playing uh, amongst that team and under Dave Bassett? It was excellent because, <clears throat> you know, the, the at that time, we weren't the best team, but we had an unbelievable team spirit that carried us through a lot of the time. Um, you know, Harry was Harry was a good manager at that time, you know, and, and some of the boys who played there, you know, it, it, it gained their trust from, from obviously playing at Wimbledon and, and, and other places. But um, it was just a fantastic time to be a footballer, to be honest. Brilliant. And then obviously that led to, to the opening day in 92-93, which you're now famous for as a milestone. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this absolutely a million times, but does it still mean a lot to hold that record? Because obviously it would never, it's a record that obviously can't be beaten, so it must mean a lot. Yeah, it does actually. I mean, it, it's really nice because I think it's probably what, what I'm, I'm, I'm most famously known for now. So uh, it's nice to know that that will never be taken away from me uh, unless they, they change the league and, you know, it becomes something else. But... Um, no, it's it's, uh, it's a wonderful milestone for myself amongst the very, uh, the very best things I've done. Absolutely. And, and did you realise at the time? I mean, obviously you're playing the game. Um, there's four, is it four minutes, I think it was, that gone? Do you think about it or was it just carrying on with the game? And when did you first find out that you got that goal? Um, I, I think it was half-time. One of the lads had said to me that uh, I was the first person to score. So, I mean, even then... It didn't really have any significance, but obviously as the years have gone by and the season starts, everybody kind of brings it up and says, you know, the first ever goal was scored by, you know, myself. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't really register. Um, nobody really thought about the significance of that at the time. But uh, obviously now I think, what is it, 21 years later, it's... Um, it's obviously um, something that people still think about, which is good for me. Yeah, brilliant. And after oh, Sheffield United, you had spells at uh, Leeds and, and then off to Benfica. Just surely tell us what was it like playing in that Leeds team? Because it was kind of, they just won the league a couple of seasons before, but then had a bad season after that, didn't they? So what was it like coming to that and then going off to Benfica? Yeah, I mean, the, the team at Leeds was uh, had a staggering amount of talent. You know, you're talking about players I met there were, Gary Speed, Dave Batty, Gordon Strachan, David Rowcastle, Rod Wallace, um, you know, 
you know, lots of very good players at that time. And, and I think at that time, I think we finished fifth in the league. So that the, the season I went there, we finished fifth. So that gives you an idea of how good. Mm. If you look at teams now and, and who's finishing fifth, it gives you an idea of how good that team was two years in a row. Absolutely. And, and Benfica, I mean, that must have been a different experience altogether for you. Different. I always wanted to go and play abroad. Uh, managed to play at one of the biggest clubs in Europe, um, and uh, it was a fantastic experience. You know, it's, it's hard to describe what it was like trudging out in front of 70,000 people every week with all the expectation. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it all again. Believe me. <laughs> do you remember any Portuguese? Can you still speak any? I can, but um, it's pointless talking any now. It wasn't. Um, I mean, in fairness, most of the most of the guys out there spoke English anyway, so you didn't really have to be really focused on talking Portuguese. Um, so, so it was easy to settle in as well. It's. Uh, I mean, the Portuguese must have come in handy, you know, before Brian, because when you were at Leeds, you sent Middlesbrough down, and then later yeah. on you went to play at Middlesbrough. <laughs> But you made Janino yeah. cry. Did, were you able to give him any comforting words in Portuguese after you made Janino cry? <laughs> he used to come in every morning and say, que pasa? <laughs> Well, you remembered that well, Brian. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, you know, Janino was a, he was a superb player. I mean, he really, I, I was there when he made his debut for Borough as well. Uh, I played... Uh, it was against Leeds and I actually scored that game. All right, yes, you did, yes. Yeah, so, um, but he was he was unbelievable in that game. He was picking the ball up from the um, from the centre-backs and running all the way through. I mean, it's it's hard to describe, but that is just why he was, he was a fantastic player. You know, in, in some ways, similar to Messi. Um, the There's the compliment. Oh, wow. And I know, and I know the uh, I know the middle of the supporters will know what I'm talking about when I say that he was he was an exceptional player the first time he was at Middlesbrough. How were the Middlesbrough fans with you? Um, you know, as you, as we said, you know, you went to join the club after you'd sent them down. Did they treat you well? Um, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Some of the fans gave me a bit of stick from time to time, but generally speaking, they were fine. I mean. They just love their football up there. I mean, that's that's the main thing when it comes to Middlesbrough. You know, there's they probably get a bad deal when it comes to thinking about the three teams up there. Uh, they're probably the least fashionable of the three. So, uh, but they love their club. Um, they're good fans, and um, you know, they just want to be successful. Absolutely, Brian. And just finally, before we let you go, um, who's the best player you you played? You mentioned Janino there. Was he the best of that era of the nineties? Who was the best player you played with? I don't know. I played with some decent players, you know. I think um, Alan Boxic was good. Tony Yaboa, he was exceptional as well. Uh, Janino was right up there, definitely. I don't, Janino made my um, my best eleven. So uh, you could take the likes of Janino, uh, Boxic, he was fantastic. Uh, but Tony Yaboa was something special as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, Brian. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Well, he was a nice fella, wasn't he? I'll tell you what I did like about Brian Dean there is he mentioned three of his best players that he's ever played with and two of them were from Borough. Yeah. Uh, Janino and Alan Boxic. Can I, can I change my favourite player? Brian from, Dean. 
from Gasser to Brian Dean. A I very thought nice he was fella. that nice. And he was driving, and we we hopefully haven't got him in trouble. So that's true. He did say he was on a hands free kick. Yeah, yeah, so that's fair enough. So yeah. we're not trying to get Brian Dean in trouble. Lovely man. Great to hear some memories there. He even tried some, some was that Portuguese, I suppose, Janine? Yeah, I spoke. Yeah, I suppose he would have spoken that. And it's good. He could say he hasn't got three points for a few years. Oh, hey, hey, oldie but a goodie. Right, we're going to talk opening days now because that's what the theme of this podcast is for the first ever Alive Kicking podcast. So we're going to look back really at kind of maybe six or seven major moments from Premier League and because mainly 80% of the Premier League is what we're talking about in the 90s so they mainly are Premier League games from the from that era so we're going to kick off um, I'm looking straight at Joel so I'm going to talk to him we're going to go back to the Borough and we've talked one big Borough player of the 90s in Janina and I think we'll talk a lot about him in future podcasts but another guy who arrived on the scene a couple of seasons later, it wasn't the same season, was it? He came, we signed Juninho in November of 95 and... The Ra- following summer. Ravinelli came the following summer. Yeah, the yeah. white feather himself and made his debut in a 3-3 draw where he scored all three. Scored and Joel three. was there. What I was, was there. that like, Mr Young? <laughs> it was uh, 30,000, rocking full house for then. You know, it's a 35,000 seat now, which means we get about 20. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then it used to be full, you know, and... Um, it, it's one of them. Danny Baker on goals and gaffs. Oh, there you go. Wow. That's a clap. What, right what, what a video. In Danny Baker's own goals and gaffs, he says, you know, you sit and you dream and you imagine all summer and then you get there and five minutes later, they score. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in that game. You know, the, the Ravinelli signing. Emerson had been rumoured for a long time. Janino, we already had. We had Nick Barnby as well, who was, you know. Underrated. He was an amazing signing for us, Nick Barnby. No, I think he was a very underrated player. He played from top teams, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll live that. Um, you know, so we had this team. The Ravinelli signing, as a side note, I'm, I'm just sat with telly on, you know. Uh, these pre-Sky Sports News days, you know, where you had to watch the sport. Pre-Twitter days. The pre-Twitter days. Are we, are we talking about teletext? Yeah, well, no, I was sat watching Wimbledon for some reason. I'm not a fan no. of the old ping pong, but it was on. <laughs> And uh, and then all of a sudden, Desmond Lynham comes on and says... Uh, right, looking smooth. Looking very... Well, Des, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, break into this match here. We've got a bit of breaking football news. Uh, you know, Fabrizio Ravinelli, European, uh, European Cup winner last season with Juventus, white hair. Nothing wrong with that. At which point oh, you go, yeah. Oh, he goes, Des. Des. You don't he get gets, that with Gary Lineker, oh, do you? We, we missed Des. Yeah, we do miss Des. not enough Des on TV. He goes, he's just signed for Middlesbrough for £7.5 million. Wow. And at which point you sort of go, oh, and we didn't have Sky Plus, so yeah. we couldn't rewind it and yeah. see whether he just said it so you phone everybody and it's like hold on the guy who yeah. scored the winning goal in the European Cup final has yeah. just signed for Borough that's insane yeah so anyway so we get the game and it's bad he was wearing that beautiful Middlesbrough kit wasn't he with the, the white blue cross with the blue oh, yeah. yeah we never won in oh, that okay. it was beautiful, <laughs> beautiful kit though we Sorry, never carry on. ever won in it what a single game never won a single game oh, wow. in never an excuse to bring up a kit but yeah, carry yeah. on Joe. Um, <laughs> So, um, Stigging and Bjornaby scores oh. first. There you go. There's another great night. Oh, His name for you. Great name. Um, Ravinelli gets a penalty up the other end, fires it in. You know, would have taken two goalkeepers. Then, straight, you know, later on, John Barnes scores a really good goal for Liverpool. Ravinelli again, you know, up the other end, bang. And then Robbie Fowler. And I was going to say, he scores against everyone. But, you know, he always scores against us. Yeah. But obviously, he scores against everyone. Um, and Ravinelli with the hat-trick, with just trickled it in. Um, it was absolutely symptomatic of that season. Did you have to? Did you have to keep sort of pinching yourself and sort of turn around to your mates and go, "That's Ravanelli during yeah, that game." Yeah, but it I think must we, have been incredible. I, I remember doing that at the Chelsea game. Um, you know, the season before, Rude Hullet going, yeah. "It's Rude Hullet." Yeah. you know, you, those sort of funny things. Yeah, we weren't used to that at that time in yeah, the Premier League. Yeah, we were sort of quite... used to sort of Jeremy Goss and players like that. It's <laughs> another great name. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it, it was we had these superstar players. 
And when they decided, you know, we just didn't have the backup in, in defence, especially. I think Brian Robson had stuck with the defence that got him through Division 1, that kept us up in the in the Premier League. And then when it came to that third season under Robson, he'd still stuck with these lads and it was time to go for something new. So the fact that we were trying to outscore everybody all the time, almost like a, a Newcastle team of the same year, actually. Um you know, we just couldn't do it and it was our undoing that season. Something I, I want to do in this podcast, too, for anyone who's listening, he, who kind of wants to find more out in the 90s but wasn't really around for it, is try and compare situations to, to, to more modern day. Mm. And when I think of Middlesbrough signing Janino, Ravinelli, Emerson, could you compare it to West Ham when they signed Tevez and Mascarano? It was kind of yeah, on it, that scale, wasn't it? Well, it's kind of like Leicester going out and signing a Messi. Or or, is, it, is it comparable to Stoke being in for Shaqiri? It, well, I don't know what's going on at Stoke at the moment, but that's far too modern to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up Carlos Tevez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just this shock but delight at the same time because you're like, wow, okay, we're going for this. And that and that's what we did, you know. Mm. Being fair to Gibson, and he still does it to this day, you know. Twenty years been, later, must have been amazing time. Oh, incredible! You know, and uh, the thing is, is we the club would throw these parties. So when we signed Janino, there was a big party at the ground, and everybody went along and they brought out Sand a samba band. band. Yeah, I remember Gennino that. Yeah, came yeah. out with his scarf and did yeah. some kickups with Brian Robson. It's probably what started Real Madrid do that now. Yeah, and it's probably what started things like that started it. I Obviously, they do it more classy, but yeah, yeah, well, Middlesbrough's yeah. not a very big place. So did yeah. you ever sort of see Ravenelli walking down the street? Oh, well, sorry was, to steal your job there. By no, no, it's a good question, right. yeah. Um, Ravenelli, Ravenelli and Emerson were naughty boys, shall we say. Allegedly. You, allegedly. Well, no, because I saw, sorry, I, yeah. I saw both of these things, it's so there's no allegedly. It's all right, they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Ravenelli you would see um, in William Hills on... Borough Road in Middlesbrough, haven't and all that? other good betting shops. Yeah, well, other betting shops are available. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. And you would see Ravenelli hanging about there, you know, having the odd little smoky bine and putting a few bets on and things. Yeah. And Emerson, who we haven't mentioned, who was just the most insane player in the history of Middlesbrough Football Club, and considering we had Gascoigne, that's saying something. <laughs> Um, he would hustle people for money in the Dickens Inn in Middlesbrough, which is like the big popular pub. And there was pool tables there and Emerson would stay there hustling people. And, you know, and people were quite happy to go along and give Emerson the money because he needed it. But they were quite happy to be hustled by Emerson so they could go on and go. So, so, that, so that day that Middlesbrough didn't turn up at Blackburn, was that where they all were really? Were they all in the Dickens Inn in sort of Middlesbrough? They Emerson, weren't ill. The reason the you got really... Dickens Inn? Have you looked really that up? Is, he just said it. The Dickens Inn? <laughs> Dickens Inn, yeah. It, uh, was that where they all were? They were playing pool and sort of putting bets on in the betting shop next door? There was a bit of that going on, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no wonder they got relegated. Well, oh. discipline, discipline wasn't a brilliant thing at Borough. I mean, later on, famously... Um, yeah, let's be fair, Robson... Yeah, Brian Robson. Beer. Well, Brian Robson uh, put Andy Townsend, Paul Merson and Paul Gascoigne in a house together. That wasn't the wisest decision in the 90s, was it? <laughs> It must have been an insane episode of Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're going to, well, that's enough. I think we need to move on slightly because we're going to run out of time. But it's a great story there from Middlesbrough. And kind of Can like we carry you say, on talking about Middlesbrough. It could be a Middlesbrough fun? pod. I know yeah. there's a few out there yeah. who like to listen to that. But yeah. we're going to turn to your lot mob now. Thank you. And go right to the end of the being, decade. Being a QPR fan, I like the way you call them your mob. I have like, to, yeah. Like I get told off if I don't to. Yeah. In the 90s, uh, well, I didn't do my TV, but mine yeah. would have been Top London Club because that's what we were in 92, 93. Oh, okay. Above you lot. But that's for another day. So, 99. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Top yeah. London Club in 92, 93. Yeah. Only Les Ferdinand. Les Ferdinand. Their only ever achievement. And, you 
not only ever achieved oh, sorry, the League Cup in 1967. Thank you very sorry. much. That's, that's, you know, that's we're talking 90, yeah, yeah, 92 the Jerry Francis team was top London club. Uh, head at Arsenal, head at Tottenham, head at Chelsea. No, see, yeah, well, how has Jerry Francis still got that same haircut? That's that amazing. is a wonder of science. That is an amazing haircut. It's like, he, like I he's hope got he a never cupboard ever... full of them and he puts them on at <laughs> They're night. Not, that is real. I will, I will Are not, you sure? Oh, absolutely. No. I've tugged on it. Have you, oh, blimey. Well, that was what? about 10 years old. But, say, <laughs> you know, that sounds from, wrong again. But From behind. <laughs> this is getting a little on little little hand. This is what I would say. It was a QPR open day. It was all above board, so it yeah. was fine. But no, right. okay. um, as far as I'm aware, it's Your all Your celebrity guests were... No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, it's all above board, I, I okay. promise. Sorry. And Jerry's hair is always welcome on wow. the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Right, on to Chelsea in 1999. Yeah. Sorry, did I stall enough there? Sorry. It's Sunderland at home? Sunderland at home. Uh, and probably one of the, I would say, probably one of the best goals of the 1990s. And some pretty summed up what Chelsea had become at that point. From, yeah. Like you were saying earlier, from Steen to Thurlong. Yeah. You'd come and here's Zola, was it, who chipped the ball? And then yeah. one, you finished the story. And, and uh, Gus Poirier came in, scissor kicked it into the top corner of the net. And it was an absolutely fantastic goal. Um, that summer was absolutely full of um, anticipation because the year before um, was the famous year that United had won um, the treble. And um, Arsenal had run them close um, for runners-up and we finished just behind them in third place. We were only about four or five points away from actually... We were right in the title race right until the end of that season. Um, So the anticipation coming into the next season was, yeah, we've got Champions League football we've signed this player and, 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 and that player and, and we thought, oh, here we go. This could, this could really, really be something. Um, and, um, the thing, and the thing um, with that game, as was memorable as it was, was that we were absolutely fantastic on the day. But seeing your new £10 million signing <laughs> go through one-on-one with the keeper, not once, but twice, and then fall over like Bambi on ice... It pretty much summed up that man's Chelsea career, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and Chris, who was, who was Chris, Chris Sutton never really recovered from that. Um, to be fair to Chris Sutton, he was actually a good player. Yeah. He just didn't... Good centre-back as well at one point. Yes, he was one of those that could play in two different positions. Paul Warhurst, oh, that was yeah, one of them. Oh, oh, he was amazing at <laughs> yeah. that. And, and Sutton, but Sutton just never really um, recovered from that. But we, we'd signed um, Dave Shomps. We had um, Sutton as well. Um, we'd signed Mario Melchiot that summer for a free transfer. Lord <laughs> Lord did very well you, for you, wouldn't, you wouldn't pay for Mario to be fair. He did well, he did all right. But um he but he got injured so we didn't see him until later that later that season. But we were really fantastic that day against Sunderland and it was a real welcome to the Premier League for them because they'd just been promoted and they mm. must have thought, Jesus, what's this about? They got stuffed four nil. Um but then they did beat us four one about three or four months later. We so. won't mention that, we'll just stick no. to the opening day. But <laughs> is that one of the best Chelsea I mean you've been you've seen a lot of seeing a success later on in years, yeah, but of I've, that era especially. I've, I've been a season ticket holder for, for quite a long time now at Stamford Bridge. Um and that game still is definitely in a sort of top five, top ten kind of scenario. It was just one of those days where everything clicked. Absolutely everything clicked and um, we were fantastic from start to finish. So um I was I was I was absolutely delighted that day and uh, yeah it was it was it was a good day out. Yeah. Can that have been as good as an FA Cup final goal gifted to you after forty two seconds? Um, <laughs> Bye. Well, um, no, actually, no. I think I think the uh, the uh, the game that you're referring to at Wembley in in ninety seven was um, 
was was it was definitely one of the better was one of the better moments. Um, no, it and, wasn't. Uh, well, yes, yeah, <laughs> not, not for you. Between maybe. the Middlesbrough, yeah. we'll start talking ZDS yeah. a minute. Yeah. As well. oh, 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 ZDS, oh, ZDS, yeah. ZDS. I had to get that in there. So um, yeah, the, the four, forty-three seconds was uh, abs- absolutely un- un- unbelievable day out, and uh, yeah, that was that was, was probably forty-seven. Was it 43? Four, I always 43. thought it was 43. Was it 43? Yeah. I had oh, seven in my mind. Uh, we're we're going to move on now and talk about another uh, opening day. And it's one that was in the same season as Ravinelli, actually. And it was, well, it's probably one of the most famous moments of the 90s. It was the day David Meckham pretty much made a name for himself with the, the goal from the halfway line uh, against Wimbledon. So we're going to talk to a Wimbledon fan who unfortunately was on the brunt of that goal and talk a little bit about the crazy game quickly uh, with Blasco. So we're going to talk to him right now. Blasco, welcome to Alive and Kicking, mate. How's it going, guys? You okay? We're all good, thank you very much. Now, let me, I'll give you a quick intro. You were formerly of Sports Tonight Live, and now you're a bit of a social media mogul, but you're a big-time Don, even modern-day Wimbledon. So tell us about the 90s and that goal. David Beckham, go on, go ahead. Unfortunately, I would love to say that David Beckham scored the goal for Wimbledon, but we had this tendency in the 90s to make people famous. So uh, Beckham, on that opening day of the season... Um, decided to try his luck and saw Sullivan off his line and uh, the goal that made him famous, I think, which is a fair assumption. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a, an interesting moment, not just for for us as a, a team that lost 3-0 on the day, but for Beckham, who made his name against the great and mighty Wimbledon. Oh, it, it gives you a, a little bit of credit, though, doesn't it? I mean, it gets, makes us remember you, but there were much more bigger memories for Wimbledon in the 90s. You were the crazy gang. Um, just pick out I mean, a few of your, your favourite players from that era and why it was such a, you know, a, a different kind of club. Yeah, I think there's, there's always this mentality of um, uh, Wimbledon portraying themselves as the, the ultimate underdog. Um, I mean, even I mean the 90s where we had the likes of Hans Hegers in goal, who was obviously our, uh, our rock at the back. And then we had the likes of Ben Thatcher, Dean Blackwell, Chris Perry, Kenny Cunningham as a solid back four. Sorry, you just made us um, wince with yeah, Dean, Dean Blackwell. Blackwell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, a lot of crying, I'm guessing, there in the studio. Don't get quick, guys. Um, but no, um, no, no the, the standout players for me growing up, I mean, the first game I went to see was Wimbledon versus Norwich at uh, Sellers Park. And uh, Dean Holdsworth was one of the standouts in my memory, scoring loads of goals and important goals for us. Um, and then you've got the likes of Jason Ewell and Cole Court and Marcus Gale. The list goes on and on, but lots of good memories um, for Wimbledon. Absolutely. Yeah, Dean Holdsworth, underrated, wasn't he? Very much so. I, Dean Holdsworth played in an era where there was so many decent strikers yeah. that he never had a sniff. Same of, with Brian Dean, actually. Yeah. Well, that's quite true, actually. Whereas, had they been around today, they'd have probably been starters. Yeah, there would have been a uh, definite... What about away from the 90s, Blasco? I mean, uh, sorry, away from Wimbledon. Um, who was your favourite player of the 90s away from the crazy gang? Um, well, knowing a few of the chaps there on the panel, I know they're going to be very biased in their teams, but um, I'm going to stay very true and uh, not pick someone from my own team. But for me, uh, Ryan Giggs was mm. amazing. He was just one of those... Uh, there was so much, so, so many different things about him. He's probably definitely very reminiscent to how Gareth Bale is nowadays. He was uh, um, one of the only top of players at the time. He scored that amazing goal against Aston Villa in the FA Cup. Uh, sorry, against Arsenal at Villa in the FA Cup. Um, and yeah, he was just the ultimate 90s player for me. 
Brilliant. Well, good to talk to you, Blasco. I'm sure we'll have you on the pod soon, mate. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Have a good show. Yeah, speak to you soon, mate. Cheers. Yeah, man. Well, Wimbledon fans. Well, we'll quickly just go over what that, that game again. I mean, the question I'm going to throw out to you guys is, if David Beckham doesn't score that goal, that halfway line goal that didn't win goal this season, thanks to Trevor Sinclair. Um, <laughs> quick QPR mention. Quick there. QPR mention, yeah. yeah. Does David Beckham, I mean, is it inevitable that he becomes what he becomes or did that go a long way to helping him? I think, I think the, goal, the goal helped. I think it brought him to the, the main stage a lot quicker than, than, it, you know, than it was possibly anticipated. But it has to be said that David Beckham was, was a very, very talented footballer. Um, you know, he, he, not many players could cross a ball like Beck's. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even in those early days in the 90s. Absolutely. I remember the first time I saw him live and I remember going, oh gosh, you know, if he had that little bit of speed, he would be the greatest player in the world. But actually, because he was such a clever footballer and his array of passing was so superb, he didn't need that burst of speed and that allowed him to play till he was, you know, 38, 39. Yeah. Um, he scored a volley against us once at Stamford Bridge from inside the area, which, like for technical ability, was absolutely fantastic. It was really good finish, and I just remember thinking, "Gee, he is actually a good player." It's, it was it was that same season, and yeah. I just I remember thinking, "Oh, he's not just about that goal." No, and it was he, he scored a goal at um, White Hart Lane in the same season where he just spanked it into the top corner, and you thought, "Yeah, this this boy can play a bit." Um, and um, and of course, he had the thing in '98 as well, the World Cup. He came back an absolute enemy of this country. And within two or three years, had managed to turn it around and be an absolute hero. Who else did David Beckham play on for in the nineteen nineties? Preston, Preston North End. Who was his midfield partner? Go on, surprise us oh. all. David Moyes. David. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, player manager, wasn't <laughs> yeah. he? He was. I was hoping player, still player manager. I was yeah. hoping you were going to say Dean Blackwell, but um, <laughs> or but, Anders um, Limpar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to move on from Man United and Wimbledon. Talk quickly before we go about a couple more of them in days and. The Arsenal suffered a kind of a collapse a couple of times in the early 90s. Uh, firstly, the opening season, 1993, they lost 4-2 at home to Nottingham. Oh, you've got a big smile on your face there. <laughs> <laughs> That's because yeah. Gabe, our technician yeah. here, is an Arsenal fan. So he, he's did, not, he did he's, just pull a face. Yeah, he's of, not very happy to point this out. This. But yeah. the 4-2 was against Norwich, which I think Mark Robbins scored Mark, Mark a couple Robbins, of goals. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it was. Mark Robbins did score, yeah. And he... Norwich were absolutely amazing well, that, that yeah, season. We didn't that, know at the time that season yeah. Norwich really that, took that, it on. The season it? that they got into Europe, yeah. they played Bayern yeah, Munich. They played that, Bayern Munich the season after. Yeah. That, that, that game against Arsenal absolutely set them off because yeah. I think a lot of people had them down as sort of relegation sort of fodder, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. And suddenly they beat Arsenal. They were 2 0 down. And I remember this, I can honestly vividly remember listening to this on the radio. And I, the commentary was a the commentary was another game. And I was in, with my dad driving and was in the car and then. Um, and they said, oh, Arsenal will tune it up. Oh, there's been another goal at Highbury. And there's sort of a collective groan yeah. in the car. You think, oh, yeah, 3-0, yeah, all right. Yeah, they're going to win the league already. Yeah. And, and, and it was 2-1 then 2-2. Then Norwich, somehow, 3-2. And you thought, when the fourth goal went in, you thought, nah, it's just 3 all, 4-2. The car erupted, I've got to be honest <laughs> with you. Was that when Mike Walker was in charge? It was, yeah. And then he really did well, anything he went on, else. He went on Everton, to Everton and, and then, then they had that real Yeah, tough never recovered scrim. from that, did he? Because yeah. that Norwich team, I mean, the industrious, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the season when we talk about European nights, but that was a, a very good Norwich team. Some, you, you can't imagine a team now doing that, you know, going to, no. well, look, think, that Bayern Munich now is no, ridiculous. No. But I, I think that so, sometimes, you know, you'll get a team that comes up and surprises everybody, you know, uh, 
uh, we've done it, yeah. Borough have done it before. I remember Ipswich doing yeah. it. You know, you, you get this one little, you know, yeah. not never, Forest did it, I think. Yeah, in the they'll never crack the top four, but you'll yeah. get into your sort of top six, top yeah. seven, sneaking Never Europe. like that. But I, I, I mean, Norwich didn't come uh, up, but they were still, yeah. yeah. It's perceived as a, yeah. you know, a, a, a smaller team, team. Yeah. yeah. To turn it around in one summer. Yeah, Fantastic. absolutely. And the other result that Arsenal suffered uh, in the 90s uh, was again at Highbury, 93-94. So the following season, not yet, season next, it would have been, and it was a 3-0 home defeat to Coventry, and Mickey Quinn Big scored... Mick. Big Mick. scored a hat-trick. I mean, yeah. those results... Coventry were really at the races oh, after that. Oh, you did there. Oh. I thought my three-point one oh, was no, a yeah. little bit dubious. <laughs> I'm have but... to outlaw these jokes, I'll tell you something. <laughs> those two results... Given what has happened this weekend, again, I'm going back to one time just to compare it um, against West Ham. What would be a, what is a bigger shock? I mean, in '93 when Coventry won, Arsenal would cup, double cup winners. They won both the FA Cup yeah, I, and the uh, well, it would have been Coca Cola, Coca Cola, yeah. Rumbleos. Yeah, one of the. I think it might Coca Cola was later on when yeah. Borough got there. Um, what, um, but they were, you know, double, they'd done the double. Yeah. Was that a bigger shock than Saturday's result where West Ham came and, and beat them? Uh, for me, no. I think um, I think Sunday was more of a more Sunday, of a surprise. Of course, yeah. um, sorry. sorry, Sunday. Yeah, it was more of a surprise to be perfectly honest with you. More due to the fact that um, if we're going to sort of briefly talk mm. modern day, um, I think Arsenal have got players of the caliber of Ozil, Walcott, Giroud, all these players back then. They had Hillier and Morrow. Not quite the same. <laughs> I think Hillier might have been just be before, us. but I take your point. Yeah, they're not quite in the same yeah. league. So I, for me, I think Sunday was more of a shock. Also, it's a different world. Yeah, absolutely. Than it was then, and Arsenal yeah. seen as being this whole ball. new ball yeah. game as Sky well, Times. Well, well, but they told us that in 1992. You yeah. see, and it was apparently the same ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, football different... didn't exist yeah. yet. So simple as that. <laughs> it's not a thing. And finally, before we we, we leave the opening days um, from hopefully till next season, um, the last one just briefly touching on was Klinsman's debut. I mean, that was a game and a half, wasn't it? I mean, he oh, came over four yeah. three, wasn't it? I Diver. Wednesday. Diver. <laughs> well, yeah, he took that in good jest, didn't he? I don't think wearing a beautifully purpley kit as well. I remember right. There, I yeah. wouldn't wash my car with that yeah. beautiful purpley kit. <laughs> yeah. I think that was yeah. the white one. But yeah, I take your point. Yeah. Yeah. As, I know you're doing kits later on in the season, but as a Chelsea fan, I don't think I'm going to sit here and say that was a beautiful <laughs> kit, um, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, they, that was... You. But that, 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 that Spurs, that was that that game actually epitomised Spurs at that time, didn't it? They yeah. were, it was 4-3 away from home. And they had about eight strikers. The and, famous um, five. And Stuart, yeah. Stuart Nevercott at the back. Yeah. And that was about well, it, I think. So, the, the, um, the famous five of, okay, so come on, Klinsman, Sheridan, Barnby, and Dimitrescu. 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 Yeah. Illy Dimitrescu. Because yeah. he came yeah. over with Gika Popescu. Yeah. Oh, I said that without... And Dan, tongue, and, that is a and Dan Petrescu. Yeah, that's Dan Petrescu. There's a <laughs> yeah. tongue twister and a half so, um, there. Yeah. And finally, another Tottenham one. Teddy Sheringham came back um, and he's... Instant return to Whitehall and missed a penalty on his oh, debut for me. Yeah. I don't remember not that. like Edward yeah, Sheringham. Exactly. I think he yeah, got the last laugh because United won 2 0, and I think he did all right yeah. after that. He might have got the last laugh, but if you're sort of the big sort of transfer of that summer, you then go back to your old club and uh, miss a penalty. It doesn't look good, does it? But um, So that goal in the European Cup final. Probably think, made up, probably made made up, up for it. For that, yeah. Yeah. I always like, you know, every time I think about. Edward Sheringham. Yeah. I like to call him Edward Sheringham because that's what Brian Clough used to say. Yeah, We'd did, like yeah. to talk to you about Teddy Sheringham, Brian. Yeah. No, uh, I'd like to call him Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Scored the first ever Super Sunday goal. He there did, you go, yeah. Teddy Sheringham against Liverpool in a 1-0 yeah. 
victory. But then people people never used to watch football on Sundays till then, did they? Football in, where we, where well, we, Monday night football was a whole new ball game, wasn't oh, it? There we go again. Oh, the Sky, the first cheerleaders. Ever, yeah. First ever Monday night football. Well, look, people, on, people, oh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. First ever Monday night football. I'm going to smile really is it big. Villa now. is it QPR. Yeah. QPR, QPR Manchester, Manchester City, City yeah. Main Road, and one all. Andy Sinton. Andy Sinton and yeah. David White, I think, oh, scored wow. for Man City. Yeah, wow. Anyway, right, we're almost out of time. What I was going to do very, very quickly before we go, if anyone has seen the Twitter banner on our uh, Twitter page and our Facebook page, you would have seen the Sky advert, which was Alive and Kicking, which is the name of the podcast and the book comes from. Um, it's basically a team and it had a player from every team who was in the first season of the Premier League. And I thought what we do before we go, we're going to have a quick game, basically a game of tennis between Joe and Paddy to see. <laughs> it might not last very long. But Joe, Joe doesn't game. like tennis. We've already yeah, discovered yeah. that. Ping pong, as he's yeah. called it. To see how many... Is Dez going to come in and yeah. announce Ravanelli signed for Middlesbrough? Let's only if, if only. <laughs> I, I could try, but I could not pull off the smoothness or ever grow a tash like, or any tash at all, hmm. if anyone who knows me. So we're going to try this. So yeah, the Twitter... Try Play along at home if you've got the Twitter uh, banner in front of you as well. So I'm going to start with Paddy. So you can, you can name any of the 22 players and I'm just going to keep going until you, you don't name one. So go on then, Paddy, you start. Uh, Vinnie Jones was ours, so yeah. there you go. Uh, John Walk from Ipswich, there you go. Former Middlesbrough player and also the star. Don't need of, an explanation. He's the star. That, he was in the Great Escape. <laughs> he was in, really, the great escape. in the Great yeah. Escape. John Walk. How do we keep coming back to Middlesbrough? <laughs> Somehow, it well, always actually, these are the ones I've remembered. Yeah. On, on that theme, Alan Kernigan. Alan Kernigan. Oh, you see, he was in the Middlesbrough player. Now. This is quick fire, John. Uh, Hans Segers. Don't look at my list. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lee Sharp. Gary Charles. Or is he going to be out? Two sec, four, five, uh, four, three. David Hurst. Oh. Oh, is David, David Batty in there? No. no oh. he's out. Oh. There isn't a Newcastle or a Leeds. Oh, no, there would have been a Leeds. Leeds was Gordon Strachan. Gordon but Newcastle Strachan. weren't there. Um, so, do you want to know the full list? Very quickly. Dave mm-hmm. Hurst, Lee Sharp, Tony Daly, Vinnie James, Mark Wright, John Wall, Tim Flower, Tim Sherwood, Ian Brightwell, Ian Butterworth, Hans Sakers, Andy Pearce, Carl Bradshaw, Gordon Jury, David Hillier, Gary Childs, Andy Ritchie, Andy Sitton, yay, Alan Kernigan, Gordon Strachan, and Peter Beardsley. Wow. Well, Thank you, you very much, gents. That's been our first pod. Thank you, Paddy. Thank you, Joe. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, please get in touch on Twitter at AK90s or Facebook forward slash AK90s. You can check out the book on Amazon as well. I'm Ash Rose. Keep it 90s. This podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. Hey!